Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. It is spring football game week, and I am Chip Brown, joined, as always, by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Chip. You know, as you mentioned, it's spring game week, so at least there's going to be some football that we're going to see, so I'm excited for that. How about you? So excited. I mean, football season never ends at Horns 24-7. That's why we, uh, we love what we do. We're lucky. We get to talk and, um, you know, talk to people, talk to sources about football year-round. And then every once in a while, we get to watch some games. We get to watch a spring game. We're going to get to have fall football with fans in the stadium. Heck, we're going to get... Uh, a spring game with fans in the stadium. First come, first serve. One o'clock Saturday, everybody. Look for the orange chair backs, according to UT. When you go into the lower bowl, they've socially distanced those, those burn orange chair backs in the stadium. Try to make it easy for you uh, to maintain social distance and all that good stuff. But, um, but Taylor, I mean, it's, it's here. It's exciting. You got a new football coach, Steve Sarkeesian who is, I mean, when we last saw him in a, in a game situation, he was putting on a clinic in the national championship, leading Alabama's offense to uh, an unbelievable performance. Um, I mean, my gosh, 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns for the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, in the first half alone as Alabama devoured Ohio State. So uh, it's not going to look like that. <laughs> on Saturday and might not even look like that in early September, but we're going to get to see how this, how these players who've had about a month now to work uh, in Steve Sarkeesian's voluminous offense and uh, how this defense under Pete Kwiatkowski and, and Jeff Choate are digesting what they've learned so far. So look, it's, it's one of those progress reports, you know, like those star reports that the kids have to take right. at third grade, sixth grade, this is kind of a star report for progress. How are you progressing with the information that you've learned so far? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's basically a, a glorified practice in a sense, a little bit, maybe a glorified scrimmage, but still, yeah, I think that, you know, it's probably not going to be perfect. It's not going to be like what you mentioned, Alabama, um, you know, demolishing Ohio State. There's a ways to go for Texas to get to that point. But I feel like Texas fans have to feel good about having a coach, especially, you know, that was the last college football game that everybody watched. Having that coach that led that, you know, I mean, I'm just dominant offensive performance against a solid Ohio state defense that he's taking over the program because the reality chip is, you know, the, you know, Tom Herman was an offensive minded head coach. However, his offenses never looked like that ever. And he had a lot of talent on his rosters and, you know, Alabama's national championship contender every single year for a reason, because they get the best of the best type of talent. But, you know, I think that this is going to be an exciting time for, Texas fans, but I also think you almost have to, you know, have realistic expectations of what to expect in the spring games. You're probably not going to see a ton of wrinkles. You know, they're not going to want to give that away for other teams to see, especially with it being broadcast on Longhorn Network. But the good news, as we said, you know, there's football that's going to be there. Fans are going to be allowed to be there. Uh, I still don't know if 
which one of us is going to be there because there's still limited press seating in the press box. But um, overall, I think this is a, you know, an exciting time and it's good to have football in the air. I'll say that. Yeah, no, it is. And inevitably, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks. So we'll start there and then maybe we'll, we'll ask what else you're looking for in the spring game. But the quarterbacks, your eye is going to go there. I mean, people are going to dissect and, and, you know, kind of rehash everything they see from Casey Thompson and Hudson card in this spring game, because there hasn't been a quarterback battle since Sam Ellinger and Shane Bouchelle four years ago. And, and so everyone's going to be looking and, and maybe there's confirmation bias. Maybe you like Hudson card. You're looking for reasons to, to back him. Maybe you love what Casey Thompson did in the Alamo bowl and you want to see him continue it. I always say, don't pick sides in these situations, cheer for both. Mm -hmm. And this is why Steve Sarkeesian makes $5.2 million right now, because he's got to figure it out. Who's going to be the best guy to lead this offense. The decision is not coming after the spring game. Um, and I think back to when Colt McCoy and Jevin Sneed were battling it out for uh, to become the starting quarterback after Jevin Sneed transferred in, and and Jevin Sneed had the better spring game, right? And Colt McCoy had to hear about it, and it got him so fired up. He spent all summer on a mission to become the starter, and did, and now his name's up in the stadium. So what you see on Saturday is not going to be uh, conclusive because again, they've had a month to work on what they've learned. They'll have all summer to continue working on it, then fall camp. And then as we approach early September, we'll have a much better idea of which quarterback is more in command of this offense and has the, the look, the players always know the coaches usually know, but um you know, just I'd say, again, cheer for both of these guys, because there is a little bit on the line here, Taylor. I mean, with Casey Thompson, who graduates in May. I mean, if if Steve Sarkeesian said something like, well, Hudson Card is is showing that he is he's fully ahead on this. And, you know, Casey Thompson's going to roll. Right. If he thinks that uh, a redshirt freshman is going to be the starter. He's been waiting three years. He'll he'll pack and leave for an opportunity right now. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those situations where the coaches aren't stupid and but they've also got to pick the best guy for the job. So that's some sub context to what we'll be watching on Saturday. Now, what else, Taylor, in addition to the quarterbacks, are you interested in? and looking for on Saturday? I mean, obviously, I think that a lot of people are interested to see what the defense is going to look like with Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Choate. Um, I mean, quarterback's always going to dominate the conversation when there is not the the guy that has been chosen, you know? And I think that I agree with you with what you say. I think Texas fans really is not about, oh, this guy's better, and this is why. I think that it's a good thing to have two good options at quarterback. And, you, and with the transfer portal era and everything that – is happening in college football, the one-time transfer rule, you know, without having to sit out, 
I mean, that's, you have to really be, play your cards right a little bit. And I think that it's like, like I said, it's a good thing to have two options. Um, it's going to be crucial for how the coaches handle that. But, you know, I definitely think the defense is something that a lot of people are going to be wanting to watch. I mean, there's some areas of concern, you know, the linebacker position still is a little bit um, up and down and uh, a lot of question marks there. But I do think that Texas has a ton of talent returning to the defense. And I think with what Pete Kwiatkowski has proven um, throughout his career, I mean, this is a guy that develops NFL players. And it's fair to say Texas has not developed too many NFL players. Defensive players have been, I guess, the more uh, successful NFL careers as of, you know, the last, what, probably five, 10 years. But, you know, I think that it's, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how this defense looks. Um, This was a defense that, you know, started off terrible last year. I mean, terrible. That's the reality. But once it started getting in the groove, it really started showing and, you know, playing up to its potential. So I really am going to be watching that. I think the secondary is probably, excuse me, one of the the positions on defense I'm going to be watching too. But defensive line, I mean, you know, there's there's some dudes on this defense. So I'm really curious to see how that all plays out. And uh, and with the new format, you know, that Steve Sarkeesian is doing where they're picking teams is not just, you know, the offense versus the defense. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a different, you know, spring game atmosphere. And I'm just excited to see just kind of the the little things like that, you know, the how the Alfred Collins are developing and, you know, how the secondary is looking with replacing some of the starters from last year's team. So I think that that's probably what I'm going to be looking at second aside from the quarterback race. But what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh I think well, I'm I'm very interested to to see Ray Thornton, number 46, who is wearing Joseph Osai's number. Um and he's the LSU grad transfer who's come in and uh is expected to contend if not already have the outside linebacker position, the rush uh jack position as it's been known. And, and since Steve Sarkeesian has said this defense will mirror last year's defense, we're all just continuing to call it the Jack position. Um, but I want to see number 46, Ray Thornton, because the, the players have all talked about how this guy has come in and, and become a leader right away, that he just has an easy way about him. He's he's fit in and, and won over teammates. And, and the good news is everybody's kind of starting at the same point. So even if you're a, a grad transfer in with guys who've been in the Texas program, two or even three years, they're all learning a new defense with new coaches. So it's um, it's given Ray Thornton and, you know, Darian Dunn, some of the guys who are, new to the program, a fresh start. And, and so Darian Dunn's another guy I want to see number four on defense. He might be lined up on number four on offense, Jordan Whittington at, at some point, but um, linebacker is a, is a big position. I want to see David Benda, how he fits in. Um, we're hearing, you know, Brendan Schooler has gotten some looks at, at the uh, weak side linebacker position uh, where DeMarvian Overshawn, uh, is you know expected to maybe have an all-conference type season, but he's out for the spring. So how's 
how's Texas filling that position? It was David Benda, um, but now he's moved over to middle linebacker and they rotated a bunch of guys through that weak side linebacker position. So want to see what that looks like. And then I want to see some of the young guys like Jameer Johnson, number 31, which is a terrible number for a cornerback, just my opinion. Uh, but, um, and Keaton Crawford, number 21 at corner. And then, um, you know, JD coffee, who's been getting some second team reps, Jaron Thompson at safety, who everybody talks about his leadership as a young player. So, uh, and then on offense, I, I really want to see the offensive line because I know they've they moved a bunch of guys around, but they've kind of settled in on Christian Jones at left tackle, Denzel Okafor at left guard, Jake Majors at center, Junior Angelau at right guard. What's going on at right tackle? Because I've heard Andre Carrick. I've heard Isaiah Hookfin. I've heard Tope Amade. So I'd like to see how those guys hold up against Ray Thornton, Jacoby Jones, and and then who else is rushing the passer besides those two uh, on defense? So Taylor, that's kind of a long rambling answer. I want to see it all. I want to see it all. Basically, what we're saying is we want to see the whole product. (laughs) Oh yeah, because you also record this thing and watch it over and over and over again, just like all the fans. You know, we'll be dissecting this in June and July and into early August. Yeah, I can watch that spring game again. Let me let me go back and look at this. What did I see here? Hmm. But um, no, it's exciting. It's fun, and and there's been uh, you know we've had a chance to talk to some players and. This week, we got to talk to the heavy hitters on offense, Bijan Robinson, Jordan Whittington. And those are two guys who everybody's looking to for, for big plays. We've already seen it from Bijan Robinson. He set the or broke the 51 year school record for yards per carry, 8.2 yards per carry. Do you know he averaged in his last two games 18.6 yards per carry? in the, in the win over K state and Colorado. I mean, there's so much excitement there uh, about what that kid can do. And he's still figuring it out. And Roshan Johnson. I mean, I wrote about him uh, in the morning brew this uh, on Wednesday morning of this week. And that guy is just a savage. I mean, it's amazing how he has transformed into a running back with confidence with attitude, with swagger, and his teammates feed off of him. You'd think he's been playing that position his whole life, and he's been playing it for really less than, well, he's been playing it two years. Right. And he made that move before the 2019 season and has averaged over five yards a carry in each of his seasons as a running back. And he's just a big, strong, physical dude who has presence. I mean, even Bajan Robinson said, I'm a quiet guy. I lead by example. Roshan is vocal. Like he is loud and energetic and everybody feeds off of him. And, and when Steve Sarkeesian was asked about the best players in terms of work ethic, um, Cade Brewer and Roshan Johnson were his first two names on offense and uh, Ray Thornton and and David Benda on the uh, on the defense. So 
it, it's exciting. And there are some things that you should be able to count on with this Texas football team. Bijan Robinson is one of them. Jordan Whittington said, I was in a dark period and I had to come through it. And I feel like I'm on the bright side now. I loved his quote when someone asked, did you ever think of just hanging it up after all these sports hernia? You had two surgeries your freshman year, then this hip flexor, your knee, you had minor knees. He said, God would have had to walk into my room and tell me this isn't for you, for me to stop playing football. Yeah. And I I just love that. Oh, for sure. And when you going back to Roshan Johnson and his vocal leadership, it probably helps Chip that he was a quarterback and quarterback. The best quarterbacks more times than not are the the alpha dogs, the vocal leaders. They know how to lead by more than just leading by example. And I think that probably really has helped Roshan Johnson and ultimately Bijan Robinson. I mean, it's it's showing Bijan Robinson you know, a side that may not be something that he's technically used to right now, but something that he could learn from, you know, and I think that that's important. Um, and yeah, I think what Jordan Whittington said, I mean, these guys, they love football. They don't spend all of this time of their college time where they could be having fun and doing whatever they want to do, like normal college students. They don't do that. You know, they don't sacrifice that just because they don't really care about it. The ones that do that, don't really care about it. You usually hear about and Roshan Johnson and, you know, uh, Jordan Whittington. I think those guys are the people that are the perfect examples of that. Um, you know, I think in think back to last season, Roshan Johnson was one of the players that was put on a pitch count essentially in practice. Cause he went so hard him and Joseph Osai and Sam Ellinger. I mean, those type of guys, you can't really teach heart. You can't really teach effort. It's something that, I mean, you can teach effort a little bit, but it's something that is natural, I think, more more times than not. And so it's good that Texas does have some of these guys on offense, I think, especially with, you know, the transition that's being made. There's a number of, you know, as you said, there's transition along the offensive line. There's a quarterback battle, you know, um, and so I think that those type of guys that can be the the dogs, the ones that show everybody what true work ethic should look like and what effort should look like, that only helps, um, especially when there's transition um, in football, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you got to have those guys throughout the, the roster, mm-hmm. preferably at every position. Every position group has to have that that guy who will tell everyone else to pick it up and and to, and tell them good job. You know, I mean, look, praise from your peers means more sometimes than praise from coaches uh, when you're getting it from a player you really respect. So I think, um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see how these guys are taking the coaching. I mean, the players have told us, and I thought one of the more telling quotes from, um, from Bijan Robinson was that the, the coaches have developed personal relationships with players. And he said, it just makes you want to work that much harder. And that was always one of the questions under Tom Herman. Did the players have a personal relationship with their coaches or was it more, were they driven more out of fear? Uh, either way, I, I say, I, I mean, Tom Herman's teams were physical and they played to the end of games. I mean, they didn't get blown out. And, and so I'm always going to give Tom Herman credit for that, but 
no one was sad when he left. Like players didn't go, you know, screaming on social media. What, what just happened? What's happening here? Not to try and throw dirt on Tom Herman, but we're seeing now a different approach. Let's see how the results turn out. And it, again, don't base it on the spring game, but watch as this 2021 season approaches. And then as we get into the season, because this is no, this is a tough schedule. This is a tricky schedule for Texas because they don't have Alabama yet. Alabama's next year. Everyone's going to get ready for Alabama, just like everybody got ready for Ohio State in 2005. They knew that game was going to be the measure. And, and man, you work all summer to get ready for Alabama. I don't know that guys work all summer to get ready for Arkansas, especially an Arkansas team that kind of finished middle of the pack, but scared the bleep out of teams. And, and so, you know, this is a game where you're going to have to bring your own BYOG, right? Dabo Sweeney, bring your own guts. You're going to have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And, and Steve Sarkeesian can certainly get off to a good start by handling, you know, 10 and one Louisiana, which Iowa state could not handle last year and handling Arkansas and, and even a pesky rice team that now plays the Stanford uh, model of football. And, and then a really tough early, not, I mean, really tough early conference schedule where they're going to play TCU and OU in the first half of the season. And those are the teams that they're two and seven and three and six against in their last nine meetings. So look, it's, it, it's going to be fun to see how these players and coaches come together and, and not only digest everything that they're being taught, but will they fight for each other? How do they handle adversity? That kind of thing. So uh, I love all that intangible chemistry type stuff because I think it's so important. I mean, yeah. when you, when you're out there playing for the guy next to you and you don't want to let him down, it doesn't even matter what the coaches are saying. I mean, obviously they're calling the plays and you need to know the plays, but it's, it's not about, you're not even thinking about your coach anymore. You're just thinking about, man, I can't let this guy down next to me. And, and, and that's, what's, that's what's going to be fun to watch about this team, I think. I agree. And I think that, you know, hearing what the players have, you know, talking about their personal relations, relationships that are being developed with the coaching staff too, Chip, I mean, this, I know that some people may hear that and be like, of course, players are going to say that they, they didn't say that before. Remember, this is not something that this is, you know, a scripted response. Um, if it's anything similar to how it went, you know, with the former staff transition. Now, I think that Tom Herman's as first staff had a lot of assistants that built relationships with players. And I think you're seeing some of those players go transfer to other schools, you know, and so that that's something that shouldn't be overlooked, but this is not, this isn't just coach speak or player speak, you know, about their coaches. And that's, that's big too. You know, I think that if they respect their coaches and they, they want to also perform for them in addition to the guy next to you, that's how you build these championship teams. That's how, you know, you, you truly develop into a national champion contender. Now I'm not saying that's going to be the case year one. No, I don't think that. And I think that people need to have realistic expectations, especially, I mean, this non-conference schedule, it may not be, you know, some big dog on the schedule, but it's not an easy one by no means. I mean, as you mentioned, this is a Louisiana team that they're going to open the season against. That was 10 and one last year. I mean, no cupcake and, and at returns all. returns everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And then, 
you know, Arkansas, there were some games last year where they were a play away from winning and on the same thing, a play away from losing too. And that didn't work in their favor every time, but still, I mean, this is going to be an uphill battle to start the season, as you had mentioned, um, even before getting into not into conference play, but the early start of conference play is tough too. So, you know, there's a lot of work that's going to be needed to be done. Um, and, you know, during the, after spring football ends, that's where the player leadership really has to kick into overdrive, overdrive and having the guys like the Roshan Johnsons and David Bendas and, you know, when DeMarvian Overshawn returns, DeMarvian Overshawn, Ray Thornton, you know, when those guys, Jordan Whittington, they have to be the ones to step up because Texas, one thing that Texas has had for the last number of years, they had their, their, you know, the known starter at quarterback and Sam Ellinger was a great leader. And there's, you know, you can question some of his playmaking abilities and some of the struggles that he had, especially, you know, last season. But I think that that's something that's going to be missing. And this is just going to be a time where it's even more crucial this off season when the coaches aren't around, when the players are the ones, you know, doing the seven on seven work, scheduling that making sure everyone's there, making sure everyone's doing things right. That's going to be something that's going to be a little bit of a, an unknown, but hearing some of these guys that are the vocal leaders, I think, you know, Texas probably is in a good spot with that. Yeah, I agree. And, and Jordan Whittington, one more thought before we move on to a couple other uh, basketball items and then love it or leave it. But Jordan Whittington is one of those, those dogs, you know, he, every player on that team respects him because he puts in the work. They know he can play. He had 10 catches against OU last year and he, he makes plays. He had two catches, two touchdown catches in the scrimmage last Saturday. And he's a guy that they look for. And, and remember Steve Sarkeesian said that Whittington is probably the furthest along. That was the quote furthest along in digesting this offense. And he's, they've got him moving all over the place. I mean, they know he played running back. Uh, in high school and in his freshman year at Texas, even though it only lasted one game before the sports hernia uh, problems derailed his freshman season. But that's a kid who Alabama recruited. So they know, uh, and I just hope we get to see a full season of Jordan Whittington because that kid wants it so bad and he's really talented and I'm, I'm excited to see what number four does on the offense. I think Texas fans feel the same way, Chip. I mean, remember what he did in the, in his high school, you know, um, championship state championship game. I mean, 334 yards rushing. He was the offensive and defensive MVP. I mean, that's why I think a lot of fans have been, you know, kind of just praying for him to, you know, get over the injuries because, they know what he's capable of. I mean, he was a five star for a reason. Those it's rare that five stars are miss, or, you know, miss um, rated as a five star. That those that usually does not happen. There are a few, obviously, more times than not, though you get it right. And just like Bijan Robinson, is five star for a reason. So I think that you know it, it will be really exciting. I hope for Jordan Winnington's sake, and honestly for. Um, our message board members uh, for their sake that Jordan Whittington can stay healthy and really shine because that's a really talented kid. And if he, you know, stays healthy and injury free, this is not a four year guy that Texas is going to have, you know, so it's like, get, get, you know, excited, 
to have him when you do have him because uh, I see him having a future in the NFL as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, and he mentioned the players who have been standing out to him. Um, he the first name he mentioned was Troy O'Meary. Now, Troy O'Meary, the six foot three, two hundred thirty pound um, freshman, Richard freshman who who tore his knee, tore his ACL in fall camp last year, will be wearing a green jersey on Saturday, number twenty one. You won't be able to miss him in that green jersey. But hopefully we get to see him run some routes and, you know, the defense just can't hit him. But I, I can't wait to see that kid. And, of course, Jordan Whittington also said Bijan Robinson. And then he mentioned Josh Moore and Marcus Washington. And Josh Moore's been coming on for about a week and a half. Marcus Washington's just now starting to come on and Calvante Dixon. And those are two guys this receiving core really needs because Calvante has got the speed to take the top off the defense and, and Marcus Washington, all that guy does is catch touchdown passes from Casey Thompson. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as Casey as the backup, was always working with the twos. He had good chemistry with Marcus Washington um, and hit him for a couple touchdowns against UTEP. But, um, they need all those receivers to come on. We're still watching the transfer portal and the portal is, is going to be a factor still mm-hmm. probably at linebacker. Um, you're hearing Xavier worthy, the Michigan decommit one of the fastest recruits in the 21 class uh, from Fresno, California, six, 180 pounds, you know, that he's, taking a hard look, let's just say, taking a hard look at Texas and could be here in June if, if, if he ultimately picks Texas. So uh, we're, not, we're not done yet. And obviously the incoming freshmen, guys like, you know, Ishmael, Ibrahim are coming in in June, Jatavian Sanders. There's an influx of talent that will arrive. And you don't always expect freshmen to make an impact, but a guy like Jatavian Sanders could. So uh, a lot of fun, a lot of stuff to look forward to. And, and Taylor, as we transition into basketball, because this is a big week. I mean, even as we're speaking, I, I think, you know, there could be developments in terms of figuring out who of the, well, the current Texas players on the basketball team might be coming back. And, um, I'm hearing the coaches are are meeting with with Jericho Sims uh, on Wednesday, and and that they might have an idea of where you know what direction he's leaning. Now, they can go into the NBA draft without an agent, go through the process, go to the combine, and then decide. We've seen that before, and and so it wouldn't be a shock if Jericho Sims and or Greg Brown decided to do that. Um, I did report in the morning brew this week, according to a source close to Greg Brown, that he's definitely considering coming back. Now that's a stunner because I think after the season or going into the season throughout the season, we thought Greg Brown was a one and done. He turned down a $300,000 contract from the G league to play at Texas. But um, this source told me that, 
Greg Brown loves the Chris Beard hire and, and is now at least giving it strong consideration about coming back. Same with Matt Coleman. I think Matt Coleman, everything I heard when the season ended and Shaka was still the coach was I'll go into the NBA draft and if I don't get drafted, I'll go overseas. Well, I think Chris Beard's trying to recruit, you know? And so it, it you've got those question marks that should be answered soon. And then we know that Chris Beard has been active in the portal. He's already signed three transfers, uh, Utah small forward, Timmy Allen, who's been really productive. Um, he was first team all pack 12. He's just tired of playing for a, a losing program. Uh, Creighton forward, Christian Bishop, who's another six, seven long, uh, versatile guy. Um, I get the feeling that everyone on the team is going to be like six, seven next year, which is a great thing to have because you've got all kinds of length, but then also Kentucky uh, point guard, Devin Askew has signed with Texas. He's, he's only six, four. So I'll, I'll, I'll let go of that whole six, seven thing, but there are more guys. There are more guys coming in the portal. And, and every time I hear Chris Beard talk, he's talking about we're winning now. We're not waiting. We're winning now. I mean, he he wants to get to that Monday night program status as fast as possible. And I like what he's doing in the uh, in the transfer portal, Taylor. And obviously, us Jalen Tyson as well, the freshman who he loves from Plano, John Paul II, who's a six six shooter. I mean, like deep three range and can get to the rim a guy he really, really thinks is going to be special. Yeah. And I mean, Chris Beard has shown that he knows how to work the transfer portal. You know, it's, it could be, you know, a, a, and I think he he, needs to hold seminars on it. Yeah. And I think he even said this, like the transfer portal can be a great thing or it can be a a bad thing. And I think he's always made it as a great thing that he's been able to kind of use as a resource. So it's going to be interesting, Chip. I think that, you know, this is a different time for Texas basketball. I mean, it's a different time for college athletics in general, just with the transfer portal and, you know, the one-time transfer rule, all of that type of stuff. But, um, you know, this is a, a huge transition into a different regime. You know, this is showing exactly what has never happened at Texas before. So, you know, there's a, there's a, definitely a lot of excitement. And that is the reason why you got to go and subscribe to Horns 24-7 because, uh, you know, we've been leading the charge on breaking all of these stories and with all the inside scoop and, you know, uh, not to brag, but it's the truth. It's, I'm, I feel okay saying that because, you know, I'll brag about the truth and just tell you the truth. And that's um, how we do it there. So uh, definitely make sure you go over and subscribe to Horns 24-7, get that annual membership, um, especially so you can read all of the team sites uh, across the network, which is something that other you know, networks do not have as an option. So Go ahead, sign up for Horns 24-7 annual membership. Do it, do it, do it. And and I wrote in the morning brew um, for you non-subscribers to Horns 24-7, the morning brew um, each morning, some insider nuggets. And I wrote about how Chris Beard has been working transfers way back um, when he was at UA, University of Arkansas, Little Rock. He took over a a 14 and 18 program brought in three transfer players 
And they went 30 and five in his first year. They were a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament, knocked off fifth seeded Purdue in double overtime. And that's what catapulted his, his coaching career. He, he, he rode that season to the UNLV for 19 days. Uh, then the regents started asking him, you know, why should we hire you? And Chris Beard's like, huh? And that's when Kirby Hocutt, the Texas Tech athletic director, swooped in. Um, and we know what Beard did at Texas Tech. And he also worked the transfer market there. The portal didn't come into effect until 2018. And Beard was working it back you know, not working it, but he was, he was finding transfers at little known schools, D2 schools where you don't have to sit out a year. I mean, this guy just combs the, I mean, he said, we're going to bring the best players in the world here. Remember he brought David Moretti to tech from Italy. You know, he had beard helped coach the Swiss national team over in Europe. I mean, the guy's like, he's just a, a hawk uh, and and does a great job of maintaining relationships with other coaches and not just high school coaches, other college coaches who say, you know what, you're probably better off going to play for Chris Beard. Um, I'd love to see you play for a coach. I know we'll take care of you, all of that. He does that stuff. And, and so it's going to be fun because um, I, I talked to a, a friend of mine the other day who said, I, I went ahead and bought basketball season tickets. I'm like, I would. I mean, to me, again, we've talked about it. Chris Beard has, has proven more um, as, as a basketball coach. So has Vic Schaefer, for that matter. They've both been to the national championship game. So it gives you reason to think they can do it again. And, and so uh, that's a lot of fun. And then uh, Texas volleyball, Taylor, I mean, Jarrett Elliott, and I thought the Texas women got a terrible draw on this volleyball. They've only lost one game to Rice, and and they were the four seed and got stuck having to play Nebraska in the Elite Eight in Omaha, and now they they beat them three to one, and um, Skylar Fields has just become a star in front of our eyes. I mean, the sophomore had um, you know 21 kills in the win over Penn State and then tied Logan Eggleston with 18 kills in the win over Nebraska and now Texas is in the final four they're going to play the top seeded Wisconsin Badgers this is going to be a great game and and if they can my gosh if they can beat Wisconsin they have to be the favorite uh, to win the national championship. This is their ninth final four in the last 13 years. So kudos to Jared Elliott. He only has one national championship, but my goodness, only one. I mean, I get it. If you go to the final four that many times, people think you should probably win the whole thing more, but this is a really talented team and you're seeing Skylar Fields turn into a star right in front of our eyes. And that's fun to watch because when, when young talent, excels at the highest level, you're watching something real. Yeah. And you're watching what could come for the future too. Yeah. That's big time. All right, Taylor, you, uh, um, we won't talk about, I mean, baseball's won like 13 games in a row and they're, they're going to get back in a big 12 play. Um, 
against Oklahoma State, which is in the top half of the league standings. And um, and that's great. I mean, this Texas baseball team is a great story, and and we'll we'll watch that. The the softball team, man, without Miranda Ellish, and they kind of got caught without having the depth of pitching. They got steamrolled by number one OU and Norman over the weekend. And now that that Texas softball team has a lot to think about. They can they got to get themselves back together and hope to to see OU again in the in the Big Twelve tournament and maybe have a different outcome because that was three run rule uh, blowouts by OU and Norman. And o, OU is, they're putting up historic offensive numbers this year in softball. I mean, they've always been a, a, a dominant program here the last 10, 15 years. They're putting up historic numbers offensively this year. I mean, how about this? To start game one, Shea O'Leary, who's undefeated as the pitcher for Texas, gives up back-to-back home runs to start game one. And she was rattled. She hit three, hit three batters in that inning. It just, it just was not good. Uh, but we'll come back, Taylor, uh, with some love it or leave it. Everybody's favorite. Yes, yes, we will. Yeah, um, so we'll take a quick break here, but definitely stick around because we have some more football talk coming, um, including maybe some Heisman talk that's going on. I don't know, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Yeah, definitely stay tuned. We will be right back. Chip, let's uh, continue on to love it or leave it. You ready? Let's do it. All right. My first one for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. Despite B. John Robinson downplaying any Heisman Trophy hype, you think he actually has a chance to win the Heisman in 2021? Okay. So Alabama had three Heisman finalists last year. Devontae Smith, um, Najee Harris, the running back, Mac Jones, that quarterback. Yes. Yes, I think there's a chance. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian um, is to offensive play calling what Lincoln Riley has been to offensive play calling. And OU's had Heisman finalists, usually at quarterback, uh, one after the other. Bijan Robinson, I've talked to enough NFL scouts who love this kid his versatility, his balance, his vision. He doesn't go down uh, on the first contact. He Heck, he rarely goes down with one tackler. I, I think, believe it or not, and I could, look, I could see a scenario much like, and I don't want to get way over my skis here, but Ricky Williams won the Heisman on a nine and three team. Now, it's been a long time since someone won the Heisman on a nine and three team. There's been so many good players on the teams playing for the national championships or in the college football playoff. It's, it's been harder to do that. Now, Ricky ran for, he set the all time record. He broke Tony Dorsett's record that year. And that record had stood since 76. So that was, um, you know, that was different, but Bijan Robinson is special. And in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, Sarkeesian's going to do everything he can to get Bijan Robinson in space, in position to make plays. So, yeah, I do think there's a chance. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's a Heisman finalist by the end of the year. So I'm going to love that. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, you know, a chance to win it 
Yes. And I'm not, this is not anything against Bijan. The thing with the Heisman, there have been a few times where, you know, the voters go for the actual best player in college football, but more times than not, it's the best quarterback on the best team. I mean, that's how it's been for the last 20 something years. And it's unfortunate because there've been a lot of really solid players that have been Heisman finalists. But if there's a quarterback that's playing for a national championship, Sadly, it's almost like you have to think that that that's going to be the winner. Um, it was not the case last year. So, you know, it's recent history has proven that a little bit different. However, I definitely think that he he'll he can be a finalist for sure. Um, as a, you know, a sophomore who didn't really play all of the games, you know, or play it a lot as a true freshman. I feel like more times uh, some of the, the players that aren't the quarterbacks that win, are usually older players because they've proven themselves year after year after year and the ones that aren't quarterbacks. So, I mean, if he has an, a breakout season, yeah, I think he absolutely has a chance to be a Heisman um, finalist for sure. I just don't know if I trust the voters right now. I mean, that's the problem. I think that it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, it, that the award's not the best quarterback in college football. The award is the best player in college football, but somehow it has transitioned. And that's a lot because of the change in offensive philosophy too. I do think as, you know, plays a role because these quarterbacks put up these insane numbers because of the change of of the style of offense that's played in college football um, over the last several, you know, probably two decades. But I'm going to have to leave it that he's going to win the Heisman in 2021 only for the sheer fact of how the voters have kind of panned out or the votes have panned out in recent history. And I hope that I'm wrong because as I said, like there, I feel like that's not what the award should be. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of voters that probably shouldn't have the vote and some that just look at stat sheets and like, Oh yeah, that guy's the best. Or, or, Oh, everyone else is picking him or, you know, he has the best odds. So I'm just going to go with that. And I don't like that. So, but you know, I hope that I'm wrong there. I just, it's hard to have much faith in the voters really going for a position other than quarterback, especially in back-to-back years. That would be well, shocking to me. Thanks, <laughs> you know? thanks a lot, Taylor, since I'm a Heisman voter. but I know, uh, that, I, I know that you don't do that. That's the right. difference. I know you, you don't vote that way. I actually um, do a spreadsheet and yeah. really try to zero in on the players who have truly been the most outstanding and not just the best player on the best team. Yeah. Um, But I I loved B. John Robinson's response when asked about this. He said, there's a lot of hype around the Heisman and I'm not going to pay attention to it because you can get the big head and stop working as hard. And he said, I've got a lot of things to work on. So look, if he just keeps his head down and keeps grinding, I think, he'll probably end up exactly where he wants to be. All right. So uh, love it or leave it. Number two, number two for you, love it or leave it. Other than B. John Robinson, the player we will be talking about most after the spring game will be one of the team's quarterbacks. I mean, I kind of hate that this is the case, but yeah, I I'm going to love this because I think this is what we do because that position is the most important position, arguably in sports. Uh, The quarterback touches the ball on on every play, Uh, their leadership and their ability to make plays feeds the confidence of the rest of the team. When you have a quarterback who can lead and make plays, Vince Young, um, Colt McCoy, um, you, you tend to get to the highest level. And, and so 
I think we will be talking about that. I'd love to be wrong because I'd love it if Troy O'Meary or Jordan Whittington has some spectacular play in the spring game, but I think uh, chances are we're going to be talking about one or both of the team's quarterbacks. Taylor, what about you? I agree. I think that the quarterback talk is going to dominate the offseason. Um, it's going to be the position everyone's watching in the spring game. It's been, as we mentioned, you know, four years really since Texas has had a quarterback battle um, for the starting role. And so I definitely think that everybody's going to have all eyes on the quarterback. And honestly, I mean, probably rightfully so, you know, when, when uh, there's a, a little bit of a battle at that position, as you mentioned, I mean, the quarterback's the only player who touches the ball on every play, you know? Um, and so I think, and is a huge factor in how the game's outcome is. So there's no doubt in my mind that everybody, Texas fans, non-Texas fans, everyone's going to be talking about, you know, the either one or both of the quarterbacks. And I think, honestly, it's probably good that they're talking about both a little bit. You know, I mean, if they're if this quarterback battle can continue, if these both of these guys are viable options, I think Casey Thompson is probably going to be number one at this point. You know, Steve Sarkeesian has said that he's not going to make a decision or make that call anytime soon. So, you know, don't expect that. But I think it's fair to assume he will probably be the, the number one guy um, out of spring. But if people are also talking about Hudson Card, that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you're talking about both, that means that there's two viable options that Texas has now, as long as the coaching staff can hold on to both of those options and, you know, um, have that battle go through fall camp and keep the guys engaged and on the team. That's big. That's huge for the, the future. And, you know, I think that Casey Thompson, as I said, is probably going to be the guy. And I think, he showed in the Alamo Bowl that he is very capable of, of taking on the, you know, the reins of the offense and leading teams to victory and dominant performances. So, um, yeah, I'm going to love it. Quarterbacks are going to dominate this conversation and, uh, you know, it's something different. So I feel like that's going to be on the message board a lot <laughs> for the next few months, Chip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. And there's intrigue mm -hmm. that we haven't had in a few years. So, right. all right. Um, and let me just throw this in mm -hmm. while I'm thinking of it. Uh, make sure you check out our uh, flagship podcast interview with Michael Griffin from Monday. Michael Griffin, Pro Bowl safety for the Tennessee Titans, course member of the 2005 Texas National Championship and doing some work for Longhorn Network. We kind of preview uh, get his thoughts on everything heading into the spring game. So, so check that out, of course, uh, on the uh, the flagship podcast interview from yeah. Monday. All Probably right, Taylor. The interceptions in the oh my gosh, I've ever seen it <laughs> in the national championship game against USC. Yeah, and we actually play Michael Griffin trivia with Michael Griffin. Like, does he know his own records and? what year he did this or that. And it, it's fun. Griff is always a lot of fun. Great guy. And he also mentions that his four-year-old daughter got kicked out of school uh, because she doesn't listen to anybody but him, which, you know, we got to get that figured out. But yeah, anyway, all right. Too far from the tree there. Probably. Right, yeah. I all want right. her on my team. That's all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> all right. I have all one right. Love it or leave you. it. Number three. 
Yes, sir. Last one for you is love it or leave it. You appreciate Steve Sarkeesian picking teams for the orange white spring game, as opposed to having offense versus defense with some contrived scoring system. Nobody can follow. Yeah. Yes. Like don't hand me a chart that says, Oh, if the defense makes a tackle behind the line, they get one point. No, that I'm, I'm lost. I'm done. I'm out. Um, yeah. Make it fun. It's, it's on TV pick the teams and, and let's go. I'm, I'm thankful for this. We're going to actually, a field goal is going to be three points, a touchdown, six, an extra point, or, you know, go for two, whatever that we can all follow along. And, and so, yes, thank you, Steve Sarkeesian. I'm going to love this. How about you, Taylor? Yes. I'm going to love this because I still have always been so confused. And as you know, we have a breakdown of what the scoring is and I still would be like, how, how is there four points? Like, what? <laughs> so right. yes, yes. Thank you. I mean, make it engaging for fans, you know, not confuse them. And spring games are already kind of, you know, water, as I said, like kind of glorified practice. And if you want to make it engaging, make it easy for people to follow along, make it something that fans are going to understand. So yes, Steve Sarkeesian, thank you. I am tired of being confused at every spring game. So I'm very, very grateful for this change. I'm going to love this one. Absolutely. Well, with that, um, you know, we'll, we'll remind you to get over to Horns 24-7 where football season never ends so that you'll have all the latest intel from uh, everything going on inside spring football and what's going on with Texas basketball, uh, the transfer portal. We're all over the transfer portal. And uh, head over to iTunes. Feel free to give us a a five-star rating here for the flagship podcast. Keep our bosses happy. And until next time, well, next week, we'll be recapping the spring game. That'll be great. So until next time, um, make sure you're listening to all the previous episodes of the flagship podcast. uh, And stay safe and keep the faith.